Kerensky is good for the Jews. He's giving us a bit of a bit of our mojo back. Like we're able to push out our chest and be like, yeah, you know what? This this guy, he's he's one of us, and he's doing great things, and that's just really nice. As someone like me, I'm mid-skinned. I would say I'm in the middle. I find it very difficult to talk about this because I'm I'm neither team light-skinned, so to speak, and I'm neither team dark-skinned. But I see the way some people treat darker-skinned people. So welcome once again to episode two of No Blacks, No Jews, a podcast where myself, Dan Friedman, a North London Jew, and my esteemed colleague for me Alutoye who is a South London British Nigerian <laughs> um, we're going to discuss issues that affect our communities not as representatives um, of those communities speaking for those communities um, but to try and unpick some of the issues that affect our communities and to learn from each other essentially um, about some of the things that Jews and the black community have in common but also some of the things um, that are different uh, and clearly there are lots of them um but this week um we can't really look any further than the crisis in ukraine um which as we speak on sunday night is only intensifying um reports that russian troops are encircling the uh, capital of ukraine kiev and um you know some very brave journalists uh, who are encamped in kiev reporting that they believe they're going to be in for a really, really difficult time of it. We're not going to talk specifically about the conflict, which of course is moving um, at such a pace, it's hard to sort of keep things contemporaneous. Um, however, um, I think it's fair to say that, that some of the issues that are uh, raised by this conflict, this war in Europe, um, affect both our communities um, and, and have implications in the way that it's covered, uh, in some of the characters that are involved. So that's what we're going to discuss today. So let's start with the reporting of the actual conflicts of Ukraine. So one of the things that The Telegraph tweeted today was quoting Daniel Hannan, where he said, they seem so like us. That is what makes it so shocking. War is no longer something visited upon impoverished and remote populations. It can happen to anyone. Another uh, journalist from CBS News in, in America said, this isn't Iraq or Afghanistan. Kiev, in, in brackets, is a relatively civilized city where you wouldn't expect this to happen. So for me, the subtleties of those two examples of reporting says to me that it's almost as if we should care more about the fact that this is a uh, European war or a war that's happening on our doorstep in relation to London or the US. Um, and we, shouldn't, we don't normally care as much when it comes to other areas or other people who are not, not as rich as us or are poorer than us or, you know, are far away in faraway lands. And for me, I understand why there was kind of an upset on Twitter I understand it because there are wars happening all over the globe, but this particular war is obviously getting a lot of coverage. Now, I understand that, um, you know, it's Europe and we've, we've had a very peaceful Europe for decades now. And we anticipated that we would have peace for decades. 
But I think it just kind of begs the question, you know, do we actually care about this, not just because of the geographical location, but also because this is a war involving white people? I think it's such a good question. And I'm going to be really honest here. I think I even saw someone questioning Daniel Hannan's tweet or his comment, and I, I didn't notice that underlying... Until I saw like a few of them together and I saw actually I understand what's happening here or I see why people are questioning this. And that's clearly my, I guess, white privilege or white bias. Not, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it. And now you've called it out um, and others have called it out. I think that's a really important point. It is. And, you know, Afua Hirsch is one of the people that picked out those two particular examples. And she said, essentially, that's the reason why she teaches journalism, because she wants a new generation of journalists to move away from this style of reporting. And as I said, like, I understand, you know, geographically, Ukraine is nearer to the UK. Ukraine is nearer to the US. Um, And so it kind of pertains to you know, Western audience. But I think it's the question of if this is a humanity issue, regardless of where it is, we should put in as much effort in terms of not just reporting, but also just empathy as you would as, you know, if it was in the Middle East or whether it was in Australia or whether it was in China or whether it was in Africa. Um, but it doesn't seem to have the same weight when it does happen in those areas. I think it's it's really interesting. So I, I suppose, you know, from your point of view, I guess you're able to see it from, you know, uh, the perspective of it being, you know, you being in the UK and it being a war on your doorstep. And yet, so does that feel... Because for me, it just feels really immediate and very geographically close and a real echo of, like... Um, yeah, for me, it's like the Second World War how it begun basically um you know the west kind of scared to and and like the us to some degree really scared to appeal to to sort of um to sort of stand up to a tyrant essentially um whose nation were you know on the one hand um terrified of on the other hand you know slightly brainwashed by um uh, like hitler putin whichever um, and, you know, obviously the, 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 the sort of the additional factor with um, Hitler versus Putin was that obviously Putin's got nuclear weapons, which he's today said that, you know, are on standby. So no one's wanted to stand up to him. And so for me, this feels, I guess, more terrifying, more immediate, more pertinent, more... It doesn't feel more like people like me. It feels more... This is really close, and in terms of ge- in terms of geography, and I guess there's a like a very large historical echo in that you know Hitler is directly responsible for you know large quantities of my family dying, and uh, and the family that didn't die fled from Russia <laughs> like before you know to the UK and elsewhere. Um, like a long way before so for me it's it's not I can't 
I, I understand. I think the reason I didn't it didn't stick out for me in some ways, in my defence, is that this does feel different to those wars that are a bit further afield, where I don't feel like we're going to be embroiled in them because they don't involve a global superpower on our doorstep. But I think the way that's been articulated by some people is, you know, correct. You've you've sort of said correctly, like there is a bit of a when it's happening over there to people who aren't really like us, therefore, you know, and they're brown and they're poor and they're a bit uncivilized. It's there's a real sort of I suppose it's quite colonial. Like, is that is that how it feels? Yeah, no, it does. It does. Um, and I totally take your point about, you know, the fact that this is ultimately more dangerous because we literally have someone threatening, you know, to potentially, you know, nuke, nuke us, God forbid. But um, again, I think it's just the subtleties of the language, especially in the one with, you know, that was from the Telegraph, um, where it says they seem so like us. Um, it's it's just little phrases like that where it can kind of go over your head. And if I'm really honest, this stuff happens so much that I've kind of almost become numb to it. Um, really? Yeah, no, totally, honestly. Like, I'm not only... I, I think I've even gone past the kind of expectation. I'm just kind of numb to it because it's just so kind of... It's so inherent in story choices or story order or the way it's written. And it's it's beyond expectation it's kind of i just feel numb to it now um but i i also ask myself the question because obviously there's a kind of privilege that i also have in the sense of you know i live in the uk i i live in london i have a, a quite comfortable life compared to the majority of the world so to speak um and but at the same time i'm very mindful of the fact that um you know for those people who do suffer such atrocities in their countries because of various wars and stuff, you know, it's just the fact that we don't... <laughs> I don't know if I'm making sense here. But do we pay those people any mind at all? Or is it because of the fact that they are so far away and they are so kind of poor and so-called uncivilised that we don't care as much? I'm not sure if I re even really have the answer. But it's a question to... to, to to ask i think is a question to ask because if just if per chance there was an russia was in was was involved in another country that was so called far away would we still care well syria is a great a great example and no the world the world basically said we don't care it's there's a big question mark over that and um but nevertheless, you know, it, as I said earlier, it's a it's a humanity issue and we should care regardless of where it is. Yes, of course, you know, there's an element of naturally we will care more because it's nearer, it's not that far away um, and it's more serious than, you know, maybe previous wars in, in the past, as in the potential for it to escalate is more serious. But um, I think all of us have to kind of bear in mind that... Um, it's a humanity issue. And no matter where it is happening, no matter who it's happening to, we should care. We should care. And I think, you know, journalists have to just be mindful of that in the way they report they report it, even if it is subtle. Um, one thing that's been, you know, of all the horror that we've seen um, over the last week, the one thing that has been really heartening for, for me and I'm sure other Jews is the fact that 
you know, so often, and we've discussed this, you know, there's a member of our community in the headlines um, because they're, you know, they've done something bad and they're attached to headlines like that. And it plays into some of the stereotypes that people already have about Jews. I find it so damaging and so upsetting and like, ah, oh, frustrating. Why, why couldn't, you know, I, I feel personally that I've got to be a good ambassador for Jewish people, right? I've got to be, you know, the one getting them the rounds in in the pub so people don't think I'm tight or whatever, you know? Um, and so what's been great... But isn't that a shame that you feel like you have to feel that way? Yeah, I know, it is, it is. Um, we can talk about that as well. Um, but But what's been nice this week is that finally, or for what seems like a very long time, um, we have a Jewish hero um, that the world seems to really have, you know, Russians aside, have all seemed to rally around and love, which is the um, Ukrainian president, uh, Vladimir Zelensky, um, who um, is a former actor, uh, won the Ukrainian version of Strictly. And today um, I learned that he also is the voice of Paddington in the Ukrainian translation of the film. So... It's like, what's oh, really? Not to love? I didn't this know guy, that. Yeah, what's not to love about this guy who's, you know, who's quoted as saying, no, I don't want a ride out of here. Um, mm. You know, I want I want equipment or something. You know, I don't. I need equipment, not a ride out. Like, he's staying with his people. He's staying and fighting. He's defiant. He's a great communicator. And, um, you know, he's kind of leading his um, country in a really heroic way. And he's Jewish. And that's just so great <laughs> like often <laughs> often often um there's this, this kind of saying like uh when when things happen it's like is it good for the jews or is it bad for the jews like corbyn bad for the jews um uh like various other things like bad for the jews like Zelensky is good for the jews he's giving us a bit of a bit of our mojo back like we're able to push out our chest and be like yeah you know what this this guy he's he's one of us and he's doing great things and that's just really nice oh that's good that's good and i can imagine i can imagine that that's how you feel because similarly you know whenever we see a black person do a certain thing that might be deemed upsetting to people immediately you know in my in my mind anyway i'm like oh my gosh they're gonna start blaming all black people or whatever so i can imagine when it's something good the flip side of that happens i mean have you spoken to some other jewish people who have said the same thing um you know what's interesting i actually met up with a couple of friends on saturday um some of whom are jewish and you know we really didn't talk about ukraine at all it's interesting. It was sort of like it was almost like deliberately avoided. I think it was just we realised that it would just be really we were with our kids, we were with our families, you know, just maybe wasn't the time or the place. But um, yeah, we didn't discuss it at all. But I wonder, you know, and maybe this is the thing: is that my paranoia about it, like going back to what I said before, you know, I always feel like I've got to be the good ambassador for the Jews, right? So I've got to go. And you know, be um, like more ethical than anyone else, and you know, particularly with money. Like, I feel like I've got to be like over generous with money. Like, get the wow, round, get, get, really? get the, yeah, get the first round in, yeah, get the first round in. Not haggle over details. I had an incident once actually. I was I was working and um, uh, I can't remember. 
we were given I was going to get ice creams with a colleague and we were given loads of we were given like money to go and get them from everyone we like everyone chipped in like as you do on a hot day in a newsroom you go and you go buy ice creams for a few people and people gave us money and I made a joke about like obviously we could just run off and, and like you know we, we could all just go and go like go get a drink or something instead um and the colleague of mine who I was really friendly with said god dad you're such a Jew aren't you no and, yeah and I was like oh my god and I was like um oh and I, my said to, gosh. I said to her are you serious did you just say that and um she's like yeah why are you upset I was like yeah I'm really offended by that of course you're upset oh my god that's outrageous like, if someone said that I'm, to I'm me I'm really offended by that I'm really offended by that and um and she said, oh, I don't know why you're getting so, like, defensive about it. I would say that, like, my mum... And then she started to go down this, like, rabbit hole of, like, digging deeper. Oh, my mum has got a black friend and she says, you know, she always jokes mm, with her, like, chestnut. oh, she's, she's um, you know, her arms are dirty or something. And I was like, whatever you're doing now is like... And I, I think I didn't handle it great because I didn't call it out and I was really upset and I wasn't strong in my kind of conviction. Mm. Um and anyway she started crying <laughs> and i think actually it was that's ridiculous my, my reading of it was that it was actually performative crying like she was really worried of that course she'd done it something is. really bad and i was yeah. gonna like go to hr she basically just tried to flip the switch on you yeah anyway so not flip I, the script sorry not flip the switch yeah so anyway so i did rep- i reported it to my my manager and i said look i'm not gonna make a complaint about this but i do want this noted and i wrote an email to myself and i detailed it so i'd remember it um, and actually, in the same workplace, which I won't name, um, I had a couple of incidents where like things things were said. One was like, really, yeah. I went to, um, you know, you get cake in the office, right? Yeah. I went, I went to get some cake, and one of, and this is actually like a really famous presenter, someone who's like very very popular, um, even today, said um, something along the lines of ah, oh, you know, whenever there's something free, you're always, like, first first in line. It's almost like you're sort of genetically, like... like it's, like, it's almost like you're, there's something in your makeup that makes you want the free stuff. And I was like... Oh, my god! I didn't even notice it at the time. And then I reflected on it. I was like, oh and did, did they know you're Jewish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a total... And these things all happened within... These three occasions all happened within, like, a few weeks of each other. And I didn't understand like what was going on, um, and I wonder if someone had, something had happened or like. But it really made me feel uncomfortable. That's outrageous. Uncomfortable. Yeah. That's outrageous. Um, you see the subtlety that I'm talking about. Sometimes it can be overt, like that yeah, girl. Yeah. But then sometimes it can be so subtle that it's like. Am I making a fuss? It's almost gaslighting yeah. you and trying to work out. You know, am I am I but, am I so overreacting? Then, so then, being like the only, you know, often the only Jew in situations, um, you know, in work in work scenarios, I'm always really, I'm always really m- m- trying to make sure that, um, yeah, there's no way that I can't be. People will be like, oh, you know, typical, typical Jew. You know, but then, that's like, such a shame. Well, but then, like as I speak to you about this now, and you said the same, right? Like, you know, you hope people don't do black people don't do bad things because, you know, people will say, "Oh, you know, typical." But I suppose the thing is, is that it's always it's only the people who already have made their minds up 
Mm, true, actually. That true. Opinion, who it's going to reinforce it, and anyone who mm. doesn't think that, it's not, they're not going to matter. They're not going to care. They'll be like, yeah. So it's basically if you, it's like with a racist, you can't really win because <laughs> they've yeah. already made no, their mind right. up. So you're either going to entrench their views, or they're not, or you're not going to change their minds. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. But you're right. But it's that's the that's the thing. Anyway, back to Zelensky. It's great that there's somebody who is, and actually, I guess to take this one step further, what I would ask you is, were you even aware that he was Jewish? You know, the, I wasn't aware, but yeah. I became aware when they pointed out um, that Nazi kind of accusation that Putin made to him in the sense of saying there's a bit of irony there because he's Jewish. And it was at that point that I was like, oh, I didn't even know. I wasn't Let aware. Let me tell you, every Jew from like the moment it was they started talking about it was like would have seen that he was Jewish and been like that would have stuck out, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every like because you're sort of yeah. You know, Jewish people know if there's someone Jewish in the public eye, we normally know not all the time, but as soon as you find out, you're like, oh, really? Oh, really? Is that, mm. Are they Jewish? And it's like, you sort of like, you know, it's like, oh, great. So that, that awesome person's Jewish. And then they're yeah. like, oh, fuck, that really, that really terrible person's Jewish. <laughs> oh, great. It's not obvious, right? It's not always obvious. Whereas if you're, I guess if you're black, you know, it's kind of it like, is obvious. you don't, you but... don't have to... You don't have to get into that in the same way. You just know. No, you're right. I think maybe that only happens when it comes to nationality. So, for example, that pants bomber. Remember the pants bomber from, like, 10 or 12 years ago or whatever? When we found out he was Nigerian, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, he's Nigerian. Why does he have to be Nigerian? Now he's going to, like... Yeah, so I I take your point. Maybe not so much with with the, you know with the whole black community but when it comes to nationality definitely or say for example um there was like a really famous fraudster that got um arrested uh i think maybe last year or the year before by uh interpol and he was nigerian and it's like oh you know why do you have to just kind of like go down yeah. that stereotypical route of a Nigerian fraud star, you know, that sort of thing? <laughs> so it's just, so I totally get what you are saying in um, terms of. But have you, know, you seen when the Tinder someone... swindler? Yes, I have, yeah. So Israeli, right? Israeli guy. I'm like, yeah. oh, for fuck's sake. You know? Yeah. I'm That's like, funny oh. that you say that because I never made that connection. I mean, obviously, I know that he's Israeli, but I never made the connection in terms of will people be like, oh, because he's Israeli and, and this is kind of like a money thing? I never made the connection until you just said it now. Yeah, but it's more like I'm a, I'm, I'm very, you know, I guess I'm quite pro-Israel. I'm very pro-Israel. So therefore, I like, and I believe um, that although not perfect, a lot of the shit that Israel gets is, is, anti, is, is because... People don't like like Israel as a. We're getting into a whole different conversation here. Israel as a state is a Jewish state, and look at the scrutiny it gets compared to like some of the human rights abuses across the world. Is for my mind, it's totally disproportionate. And I think a lot of that is 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 anti-Semitism. People thinking that I'm not saying criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic at all. You can absolutely criticize Israel and what it does and its government 
but I think the, the the fact that it gets so much proportion to actually what it what it does, which you know, it's clearly bad some of it, um, is is you know comes from somewhere somewhere a bit a bit mucky, a bit a bit dark. Um, so yeah, so when there's like an Israeli. So like so during COVID when Israel was sort of rolling up the the, um, the vaccine and like really pioneering like vaccine rollout and like educating the British uh, government on how to do it, you know we were like us us kind of you know Jews in the UK or probably most Jews around the world were like this is awesome you know Israel's doing something really positive on the world stage. It was sort of those headlines about it being you know a pariah state and. How it's treating Palestinians will will kind of you know subside for a moment, and actually people will speak about it in a positive light for a moment uh, before it defers, and then you have like the Tinder swindler, and it's like we're back to. So, did you with the Tinder swindler? Did you see any kind of anti-Semitic hate online? Actually, um, you know what? I did look. I looked. Actually, it was less than I thought. Okay, that's interesting. I was surprised. I did check. I think I probably did a like a Twitter, a Twitter search, being like, "Oh, are people are people seeing this?" And actually, I think yeah, it was probably a lot less. It was probably a lot less. And again, similar to what you said before, it would just be kind of like the age-old racists who were gonna search for that stuff regardless and say something regardless and think something regardless because yeah. they're just a racist and that's it. Yeah. So, but, so let me yeah. let me ask you, like with you know my my sort of list of like really awesome israelis and really awesome jews um do you have a kind of a similar mental list of like really awesome nigerians and really terrible nigerians um i mean i'm i do in kind of like the corners of my mind but it's not something i necessarily think about i think it's more kind of reactionary yeah so say for example i'll never forget um this is years ago now, but um, in a local paper I was reading, uh, three boys had been sent down for something to do with robbery or whatever. And then you see their names. And then I remember reading their names and I think one was Caribbean because obviously they had like a, a Western name and the other two had Nigerian names. And, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like already it's the black thing, like, you know, black people are robbing. But then on top of that, it's now like... You can see their names as, you know, they're clearly Nigerian. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, you know, almost like, why are you letting the side down? And it's a terrible thing to say, but it's just because you just know in your mind that, as you said before, you're reaffirming what some sections of society will be thinking. Oh, you know, there they go again, black people and they're robbing, you know, that sort of thing. Or black people and their crime. Um, it, so can I ask you maybe a, a, a more nuanced question? When you see when there's three, like three black people, one's Caribbean, two are Nigerian, is there a response from other parts of the black community to the fact that two of them are Nigerian? Mm, like non-Nigerians. In what sense? Non-Nigerians. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't is know. There, is there like almost, you know, because I know that there is, you know, massive. I wouldn't say infighting, but certainly. You know, if I see Orthodox Jews, for example, I mean, there's a whole load of stories about um, some of these uh, faith schools in, in Stanford Hill where they've, 
you know, been, I mean, someone, there was a, there was a wedding where they flouted COVID rules. They had a huge wedding. They've often got, you know, lots of children and doing some of the schools. I think some of the schools had to close because there were too many kids or something. Um, and I go, Oh God, the bloody, you know, Orthodox community again, you know, cause it's not really, they're not really that, like that kind of hardcore Hasidic community in Stanford Hill very far from my from me and my like judaism okay okay i see what you mean like it's annoying that they're sort of letting the side down but actually there'll be a whole lot of jews who'll be like oh typical (laughs) oh really that's so interesting yeah yeah yeah. so i just wonder if it's the same (sighs) like if if within the very you know um nuanced and different black community which is a massive community made up of all different Mm. backgrounds there's also that kind of i suppose um like polarization also like slight rivalry and slight kind of like i mean there definitely is almost racism within the community yeah no there there definitely is but i think maybe not so much with that example i'm using when it comes to like crime maybe other things like beauty standards like colorism you know light skin dark skin all that kind of stuff um maybe in terms of you know culture so caribbeans are very different to africans um, and the way we think and the way we just approach life in general. So I think, um, on, you know... Give me, give me an example. So, for example, I think if you were to look at the Nigerian community, Nigerians are super, super, super into, like, education. Education, education. Like, education is a massive thing. Like, I always say to people about how in my family, in fact, both sides of my family, I'm, I'm the black sheep because I'm the only one that doesn't have a master's. And till this day, my granddad is still pressurising me, being like, you know, won't you do a master's? Won't you go into law? What is all this journalism malarkey about? All that kind of stuff. You know, I'm the least educated in my in my family, despite having a degree. Um, and I'm, I, I don't know if that's the same with other nationalities within the black community. I can only say that very specifically about Nigerians, that the education is a big deal, if that makes sense. Um but yeah, I think maybe to, to go back to what you're saying about the racism within the community, I think the most stark, obvious um, example of that is definitely colorism. You know, the whole light skin versus dark skin and who's more beautiful, who gets, you know, um, more uh, more praise, so to speak, in terms of their beauty. I think the light skin, dark skin thing is the biggest example of that, um, more so than, you know, different nationalities or you know, different types of black people in terms of Caribbean or African, that sort of thing. That's the biggest issue that we're dealing with now. And, yeah, it's something that constantly comes up and it's something that constantly... Um, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Go on, can you explain that to me? Colorism. So colorism yeah. is basically um, the idea that there are some... There are, there are some people within our community, i.e. the light-skinned people, who are seen as more desirable, um, better looking, they have more opportunities. And there are actually statistics that back that up, that even in, in employment, it tends to be that light-skinned people get better jobs and they have more opportunities and that kind of stuff. So, um, so there's still people of colour? Still people of colour, yeah. So but people of colour... But they're lighter-skinned than... But they're lighter-skinned. So someone like me, I'm mid-skinned. I would say I'm in the middle. 
some people may say I'm like mid light, but I would say I'm in the middle. So for me, I find I I sometimes I find it very difficult to talk about this because I'm I'm neither team light skin, so to speak, and I'm neither team dark skin. But I see the way some people treat darker skin people, and I can see that there is a very stark difference between them and the light skin light skin people within our community. Um, they're def- light skin people are definitely seen as more desirable, especially on the mainstream stage. You know, um, it, you're hard pressed to kind of find someone who is dark skinned in, you know, very kind of visible places in or either on TV or whatever. It's 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 few and far between. Let me put it that way. It's usually lighter skinned people, right. um, and that's not just in terms of the way other races treat us but it's also just within our community it's so subtle it's so subconscious and this goes all the way back to things like slavery where there was a kind of division between dark skin and light skin so the lighter skin people would be the ones in the house serving the masters they're the ones that would have like favors with the masters and the dark skin people would be the ones out in the field and it was a tactic to kind of divide you know the slaves essentially um and it's trickled down into well 2022 and it's not just our community that suffers this it's also the asian community they suffer it as well um so it's 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 not just us it's just it's just a people of color thing that light-skinned people tend to be kind of put on this pedestal um and darker-skinned people not so much um so you know these these are the battles within the communities that that, that we're part of um and every day people are trying to obviously try and fix it try and work around it it's just one of those things so and and is the prejudice so so i've got so many questions this is so interesting <laughs> this might be a whole episode dan honestly yeah, yeah. this is a whole episode because there are people who obviously we will interview one day that will talk about this in a lot of depth and kind of break down to us just how damaging it is because like i said a lot of it is yes it's over a lot of it is over but i think a whole heap of it is you know is kind of very subtle and subconscious we don't even know when we're doing it honestly we do not even know when we're doing it half when the time it's what, until when we're potentially being colorists we we don't even know when we're doing it so this is this is um, you being prejudiced as in us within our community, sometimes we can be guilty of it without us even realizing. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. And and some and but like I said, sometimes it can be overt. Like someone could say something like, for example, a lot of influencers in recent years have had people search their old tweets where they've made jokes about you know dark skin women and da 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 da, all that kind of stuff. Um, and people have criticized those influencers for it, and rightly so. Don't get me wrong. Um. But like I said, those are things that are kind of very obvious and people are saying it out loud. There's a whole load of other things that happen subconsciously um, to do with colorism that perhaps isn't so out there, but are worthy of discussion. And I think someone who is an expert would be much better placed than me to kind of talk about my own experience. Because like I said, I'm mid-skinned, so I'm very much in the middle and I can see what light-skinned people say. I can also see what dark-skinned people say. Um, and, and I would when, hate when you, for me to. And sorry, sorry to interrupt. That's when okay. you say you're mid skin, is that like just accepted? <laughs> like, do people, does everyone be like, 
would, would, would like someone see you and be like, oh, for me, oh, yeah, she's mid-skinned? Or would no, someone say, they, oh, no, they, actually, you're dark? Or someone would say, actually, you're they, light? They Maybe wouldn't say that. Perspective. They, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, I don't even know if there is a, to- a term that says mid-skinned. I don't even think there is a term, but I'm just saying that as a description of myself. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to be part of, say for example there was a campaign of dark-skinned women to talk about colorism it'd be very difficult for me to be a part of that because i'm not seen as someone that's dark-skinned the same way if there was a some sort of campaign with light-skinned women i also wouldn't be able to be part of that campaign because i'm not really light if that makes Mm -hmm. sense and when i say light i'm talking about you know, light-skinned, maybe mixed-race people like Maya Jamma, for example, or maybe... Who's another light-skinned person that is just black? Um, maybe someone like Rihanna. Rihanna is a light-skinned woman, even though she's just black. Both her parents are black. Um, but then darker-skinned women like, for example, AJ Dudu. <sighs> Who else can I... Exa- Viola Davis. Those are dark-skinned women, if that makes sense. So it would be hard for me to kind of speak on their behalf because I haven't I don't I can't recall an experience where someone has made fun of me of being dark skinned because I'm not dark skinned. Does that make sense? But then what my about, dark skinned what friends Oprah? What's Oprah? Oprah Oprah is kind of I'd say she's I mean yeah she's kind of somewhere between me and, and dark skinned. But again I wonder if Oprah would feel similar to me because there are people who are much darker than her than that, that perhaps have had much more serious experiences, of, you know, with, uh, with discrimination because they are dark-skinned. Like, my dark-skinned friends can tell you stories upon stories of things that have happened to them or things people have said to them because of their dark skin. Does that make sense? And is is it that... People assume, um, like, nationality and background based on the colour of skin. No, not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. I think maybe there are some countries, like, for example, in Sudan, most people in Sudan are dark skin, if that makes sense. But I don't think you look at, like, just a random black person and be like, oh, they must be from such and such place. Because, for example, in Nigeria, Nigeria is so huge, you have people who are lighter than light then you have people that are very dark. So it's kind of difficult to kind of gauge where someone is from just based on the colour of their skin, if that makes sense. Apart, Unless you are from those countries that very visibly look as though you are from a certain country, like Sudan, as an example, if that mm. makes sense. So, but yeah. But anyway, we're, we're going off topic here. <laughs> we're no, going just, off can topic. I just ask one more question? Because I, I, I imagine I, what I have seen, like, creep into sort of public, like, more... more um, of the the I suppose mainstream debate is um, when people are accused of lightening their skin. Mm. Yeah, you see that's part of it. That is that is colorism right there because a dark skinned person and I know many actually a dark skinned person would say I don't want to be this dark skinned so I'm gonna lighten my skin to be more desirable or so called more beautiful. But then that that standard of beauty is very much entrenched into the camp of Western standards of beauty, if that makes sense, because essentially you're trying to be as close as you can to being white. And as I said, this isn't just um, within the black community. Asian people experience this. 
Indians, Pakistani, Chinese, you know, all of these communities, it's kind of like there is an issue of colorism where the lighter you are, the more desirable, the more beautiful, the more, you know, the more opportunities you may even have. There was definitely a study in the US where they looked at light-skinned, dark-skinned people and who had better opportunities and better job prospects, all that kind of stuff. And each and every time it was light-skinned people that seemed to benefit more. You know, that kind of so-called light-skinned privilege, you know? Um, yeah, and that, that's a whole nother topic, honestly. That's a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother topic, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> So the next thing that I wanted to kind of flag up, which for me is one of the most painful things about um, all the reporting I've seen so far, is the allegations that Africans are not being allowed to cross into other countries um, from Ukraine, like, for example, Poland, because essentially because they're black. And um, when I heard about it, honestly... Obviously, I'm very shocked because it's a war zone and everyone's trying to flee, you know, as much as they can. But at the same time, I'm not shocked because as we're always constantly reminded, you know, as a as a community, being black seems to be some sort of, you know, taboo or it's a crime or it's, you know, we're just constantly being accosted because of it. And um, I saw plenty of videos on Instagram as well as on Twitter and people who are actually at the borders tweeting, saying that, you know, they're trying to cross over, especially the women and the kids, um, but they're not being allowed to. They're saying Ukrainians first or white people first or whatever phrase they were using. But essentially, they were not allowing black people to cross until the majority of the white people had done so. So just for some context, um, Ukraine is a place where many people of colour, including Nigerians, go to a lot to study medicine, for example. So there are many, many Nigerian students in Ukraine studying medicine and, and many other things. So obviously they've been caught up in this um, and wanting to flee. And there's one particular video that I saw on Instagram where a lady had a two-month-old child who apparently was not allowed to cross over. So one of the reasons that they were giving was it was a visa situation, but surely in this kind of situation where everyone pretty much has become a refugee, that shouldn't take precedent. But, you know, a lawyer can correct me, you know, if a lawyer does hear this podcast, but I was just shocked. I'm shocked, but I'm not shocked at the same time. But it's very disheartening. And it's such a clear example of even in a war zone, um, our skin colour is being essentially weaponized and used against us. It's It's awful. It's awful to see. So it's like saying there's like, you know, good refugees and bad refugees. Exactly. We'll take but, white refugees, but we won't take people of colour. Yeah. And to and in fact I saw another video where someone kind of panned a shot of how a train had just left that was full to the brim of white people and at the platform was just a sea of black people. I could not believe it. I was like what on earth? And the only crime is the fact that they have brown skin. That's it. That is it. There's no other reason. There's absolutely no other reason. And um, it's it's so painful to see because, you know, obviously a lot of these people that come from countries like Nigeria or Ghana or, or, or further afield, 
you know, their own governments don't necessarily have the means to kind of airlift people or pay for everyone's ticket to go back to Nigeria. Um, or e- either they don't have the means or they just don't have the organisational um, means to do it. I, I don't know what it is, but essentially these people have more or less been left to fend for themselves. So the only kind of option they have is to cross the border like everyone else is trying to do in Ukraine into places like Moldova or or, or um Poland. Um, but they're not being allowed to. Um, but what's even more upsetting is the fact that literally this has been something that's been tweeted about, been on Instagram about since yesterday, and only a handful of media outlets have actually done something on it. Only a handful. I think I saw something in the Irish Times um, and a couple of other places. I think maybe the I or the Independent just did something a few hours ago. Um, again, it's kind of like, why why are they less important? I just would I'm like sorry. for someone to tell me this, the That's reason. That's it so is horrific. horrific. And so... How does that like impact on you? Like, like, how do you feel about that when that happens? I think it just—it's just yet another kind of, you know, um, confirmation about how no matter where we go, or no matter what situation it is, it's like black people are just not necessarily considered on the same level as other people and other races i should say actually that from what i'm also seeing um at the border is also happening to you know asians and arabs as well so it's not just black people but i think black people have been very vocal on twitter about it and also like i said there's a huge uh nigerian community in ukraine because of this the student community um but it's just i just don't understand why people of colour are seen as less or considered less or just not considered at all, which is even worse because things like you're invisible. But in this situation, it's more kind of, you can clearly see they're as distressed as the next person. If you cut them, they also bleed as well as the next person who may be white. So why do you, why is there a demarcation? You know, why is there segregation? What is it? Because the only difference is literally just skin colour. That's the only difference. This is a war zone. Everybody is essentially a refugee now. Anyone that you see at the border, regardless of whether they're a surgeon or a student or, uh, you know, a teacher, everyone at that point at that border is officially a refugee because they're trying to flee a war. So why is it that some people are allowed and other people are not? And like I said, if there's a a legal situation or a legal context in which, you know, visas do come into play, then I will stand corrected and I will totally you know, take that person's point of view. But my understanding is that if you're a refugee, you're a refugee. So, yeah, that's, that's, sorry, I sound so passionate about it, but it just really infuriates me because it's a war. This is a human, this is a humanitarian um, crisis. Why should race play a, a part in this? And And let's just say the shoe was on the other foot. And the you know the race is swapped. It would be I would be saying the same thing because to me it just sounds ridiculous that you're fleeing a war zone and 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 at that point is when people start to say, oh yeah no you 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 can't come because of whatever silly reason but these ones can. Yeah, that's so horrific. Can I, can I ask you like, are there parts of the world 
because I'm, I'm looking at Eastern Europe and my assessment of Eastern Europe is it is very white and they are there aren't huge black communities there so do, is it almost like well this doesn't surprise us because it's these countries or actually would you have expected maybe in 2022 that it would be different and would you expect it to happen in the UK like if this happened in the UK today well, do you think that the same would apply or do you think that there are you know more enlightened enlightened people honestly Dan I don't honestly I would like to think that in the UK we are so called more enlightened when it comes to racial issues or you know diversity issues but I don't know. I don't know because, like I said, I'm shocked, but I'm not shocked at the same time. Because I would like to think that in 2022, we can recognise that a humanitarian crisis supersedes any kind of racial division or any kind of racism. You think that if a, if missiles are literally being thrown, you know, some 10, 20 miles behind you, Anyone that wants to flee that situation, you will help them regardless, right? You'd like to think that, but clearly that's not the case. And and I'm not blaming Ukraine. I'm not blaming Poland. I don't I don't know whose fault it is, but it's there's clearly an issue at the border, um, and something needs to be done. Really, um, yeah. I just I'm just at a loss for words because if you if if you can't even get over the issue of race in a war zone, when are we ever? going to be able to get over it that's that for me is the crux of it because you'd like to think that in a war zone a war is a is a great level of people whether you're rich or whether you're poor whether you're educated or non-educated if there's a war happening everyone becomes the same in terms of we're all experiencing this crazy experience do you know what i mean it's almost similar to the pandemic you know we all were affected in some way regardless of what your social economic background was but even in the pandemic, they realised that the oximeters were having a different reaction, or were were, were measure it. You know, were, had been developed with white people in mind, so therefore were having a slightly different yeah. um, response. So actually, again, I think the pandemic in some ways also exposed some disparities. Yeah, a lot of racism and a lot of disparities and a lot of like. I think you know, in some ways. The the worst thing is, is it's not deliberate, I don't think per se, but it's yeah. it's kind of unconscious bias, which is why yeah, it's so hard exactly. to, to root out. And I think, I actually think that in 2022, going forward into other years, we need to almost kind of redefine racism because I think people still have the idea of racism being something overt, like calling you the N-word or calling someone... um you know, just a, a an actual slur or being something that's very overt and intentional and blatant, that is no longer what racism necessarily is. The, the The scope of racism is much wider now in the sense of it's subtle, it can be unintentional, it can be unconscious. You know, these are these are the kind of um, invisible arms of racism that also need to be incorporated. It's no longer just writing something or you know, on your door or posting something for your letterbox. No, those are the old types of racism. Racism in 2022 going forward are things that we need to recognise that are subtle and unconscious and, yes, unintentional, you know. We know that some people intend it and we know that it's unintentional as well. Um, 
So the idea that, you know, racism is just kind of like this very small box of very intentional and overt types is is kind of old and outdated, in my opinion. Um, racism needs to be redefined. I think what you're saying is it's no, it's no longer, um, to sort of put a fine point on it, it's no longer no blacks, no Jews. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, you know I mean? exactly. That was the old style. That was That was like... We'll say it to your face. Yeah. We don't want you here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas this is more kind of like actually institutional, like undertones. I mean, the old stuff will clearly still exist, but actually the stuff that's harder to shift and that identify is when it, you know, the person who's doing it doesn't know they've done it and the person who's receiving it doesn't, isn't 100% sure they've received it. Mm, exactly, exactly. But then your, But then your example of, you know, I mean, I've got this image in my head. I haven't seen it. A train pulling away of white people leaving black faces on the on the, the platform. Mm. That is over. Yeah, that is over. And and the person that filmed it said it. So essentially, the the scene was the train apparently had just left. So all they saw, all the the camera just panned to just loads of black people left on the platform, and then the person either captioned it or said it and was like. Um, yeah, they've left us here. They've left us here. All the black people, they've just left us here. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, that's that's just crazy. That's crazy. But like I said, and, and that, if anything, that worries me in terms of if not even a war zone can stop racism, what possibly can? I don't know. Well, as ever, fascinating to discuss with you some of these issues and to share with you, you know, things that actually I've never really told anyone. Oh, really, um, Dan? And to and to and to hear and to hear some of the things that you've yeah that you've shared as well. Um, yeah, I just get I get really excited about um, you know in two in two hours of chatting to you across two episodes how much I've already <laughs> learned from you. So thank you so much for sharing with me. And hopefully, um, I hope you're finding it also like you're learning new things as well. It's not just one-sided. No, I'm definitely learning stuff. Um, and also it's given me a space and a platform to kind of, I guess, offload how I feel about things that are happening, maybe not necessarily, necessarily to me, but are happening to people who look like me and the reason why that is so pertinent is because if they look like me that means potentially one day it could also happen to me because at the end of the day I'm a minority in a majority um and I'm constantly reminded of that in various ways and I also have to remind myself of that as well so yeah it, this is a good platform for me to kind of <sighs> sigh and just offload at times but yeah no I'm definitely learning from you and, and understanding what you know where you know some, some things and some gaps in your knowledge and I also want to do the same thing with you and, and the Jewish community you know I have some knowledge but there are major gaps in my knowledge that I'm really looking forward to to, to exploring so and filling obviously so yeah great on we go <laughs> 
Well, thanks again for tuning in to the No Blacks, No Jews podcast. Um, if you've got any ideas of issues that you think we should talk about, um, there seem to be endless um, things in the news day to day to talk about and to reflect. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at No Blacks, No Jews. And you can also hear previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. But until next time. We'll see you soon. See ya.